0: Oops. Oh, wow. Especially Sundays, you know, and, uh you know, this morning is no different. I really thought, you know, I do have this idea of how long people pray and do it. Calvin's normally a little bit longer, but if we live most of the work, you know, uh I'm not going I'm not, I'm not, to. Yeah, no, 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 it's okay. I will put this back away within things. Well, this morning we finish up our series. On revelation, letters to the churches of revelation, with our uh, seventh and final letter. As we look at this uh, letter to the people of Laodicea, remember this was not just a letter to them. Every church would read what Jesus. Uh, was saying to the others. Every church had this sense of what God was wanting to say. And whether these are ideal points in church history, whether these are specific types of churches, the reality is, is Jesus has a heart for his church. I want us to hear at the outset that Jesus loves his church. And maybe I've been a little, but we can't forget the fact that it is his church. It's not my church, your church, or anyone else's church. It is his Church. And his church need to be needs to be in his image. Not my image, your image, or the image of the world round. In many times we can say, yes, amen. The church has to be counter-cultural. But as we have seen, I believe, or maybe it's just me and uh, you know, sometimes when I think I have original thoughts, I must be reminded that if I think I haven't figured out, I'm on the wrong track. Of the church and the early, well, we call the early church fathers, really looking at about 100 AD to about 250 AD. The early church fathers, they, they, they were struggling with lots of things we still struggle with as a church. But what we must be reminded that to some extent. With the exception of the two churches that were suffering under persecution, every other church had a little bit of the culture in them. The only reason I think a persecuted church does not is because they are persecuted, and they're a pure, pure, pure church. And the idea these other things that, when life is going well, we can kind of let in, because we can, you can only think about them at a time when you're not under crisis, when you're doing more than just surviving. And it's the same thing with us as individuals. When we are in crisis mode and survival mode, a lot of times we don't think about what do I want to eat as much as am I eating? You know, there's a reason we call comfort food comfort food. You know, it, you know, comfort food may not always be the healthiest of food, but at least it is food in times of crisis, in times of when our goal is just to survive. But then, once we get beyond that, we have to learn to be different. We we read here Jesus' Jesus's love for his church in verse nineteen, when he says, "Those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline." Here to some extent, we have the most loving words of Jesus to any church, to any of the letters of the church, but it happens to be the church that Jesus doesn't say anything good about. There's not a, but there's a remnant rem- rem- of your faithful in this church. So there doesn't seem to be that case, but he's reminding them what you and I need to be reminded of. Jesus loves his church. Craig Keeter, uh a New Testament scholar and a writer of the NIV application commentary, Revelation, had this to say about this letter, to some extent, and i paraphrase. He says, you, you know, if there's one church that is, or one a church that the American Western Church is probably most like, it is the Church of Laying Sea. We are quick to export our learnings and our teachings to the rest of the world, thinking we are not only good, but we are the best. When we must learn to humbly submit to God's people elsewhere. And I would tend to agree. If there is one church that I think it is easier for us to apply the lessons to, it would be this church of Legacy. Yet, we don't necessarily like that. I don't particularly like that. But if we are not careful, we will pass this by as it may be some other church. Instead, it is, to some extent, our church. And part of that is because of the way our culture mimics the culture of Laodicea. Laodicea was very much independent and autonomous they were a part of this region, and if you remember from uh, last week, Philadelphia, they, they had earthquakes in the region, and, and many a time times the cities would be completely demolished and they would need the help of others. Very similar that we do, and rightfully so, if it has to be, where we aid to uh, places like Florida, California, and natural disasters that happen to white out communities. As the federal government, we say, here... We want to assist you. As uh, once our uh, House of Representatives can get back into a working order, we can send aid over to Israel and Ukraine. A similar thing. Philadelphia, they were on with the idea that, yeah, we need the Emperor's aid. The thing with Landersia is, believe it or not, about at the last great uh, earthquake that happened before this letter, the Emperor of Rome said, hey, people of Laodicea, we will give you money to rebuild your city. You know what they had had the ability to say? We don't need your help, Caesar. Now, that wasn't said necessarily in a prideful, arrogant, get away with us, but they were like, we are so well off; we do not need help. And a lot of us would go, oh, God. Because we have this I need to be independent and autonomous. I don't need anybody. Is that not, to some extent, the Western culture? I don't need independence.
1: I don't need you, you
0: don't need me. Don't tell me what to do, and I might not tell you what to do. Independent, autonomous, I'm I'm self-sufficient. I don't need anybody else, and so many of us, myself included, we sometimes allow pride to come in because we will not accept the help of others. I don't want to be known as that person. And here, the the city of Laodicea, we read these words, when Jesus says, You say, I am rich, and I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. The city of Laodicea was self-sufficient in oh so many ways. There was a special salve, medicine, that the people of Laodicea uh, had figured out. There was a medical school there where there was this kind of salve of the region that would actually help people with eyesight issues. And it all came from here. I mean, isn't that a cool thing to be known about? Can you imagine this town from yeah? We have the medical needs you want. Come to us. We will heal you. You who are hard of seeing, we have something to restore your size. It talks about how here in Laodicea, they figured out a way to, to not only have clothes, but like a really soft black wool fiber that was the envy of many of the world around them. And they were on this big trade route, and so people would come, and it would be like, you know, uh, going, hey, so where did you get your clothes from? Oh, I went to Laodicea. Oh, God. You know, I had to buy some new suits. And, and I, I I talked with, uh, you know, Colin, uh, um, Albert, Vernon, because, you know, if you ever need to you know a good quality suits. You ask people who have to wear it all the time. Which in our world, typically used to be bakers, but you know even bakers don't have to. Funeral home directors do. All right. Uh, and I asked him. I said, Where do you go buy your suits? Last time I bought a suit, it was uh, Jason Kinney that was going out of business in pitwell Tells so you how know, often I buy clothes. If I don't. I try not to. Um, but I was I was due. And he said, Well, I went over to a place. He, he said, Well, I asked my funeral home friends in Columbus. I said, okay, what? I mean, I'm willing to try. He said, well, I went and, and, and I come to find out that I was going to be spending three, $400 a suit. And I said, oh, well, did you go anywhere else? <laughs> I, and he wasn't brought in. Mean, he was just saying, that's what it was going to cost. And he's like, I, I can't do that. But it would be like going and, and looking at the name brand suits. You know, what I'm wearing is not... Made brand as far as high okay? uh, end. I went to Coles, that's where I shop. Okay? Uh, it's just a so little weird. But you know, there are times when I have one pair of uh, truly tailored made suits. okay? It's my khaki Protocols. You want to know how I got those? I happen to be close enough in size to a guy in Traverse City, Michigan who was no longer wearing them and he said, I think these will fit you. Okay? But I looked it and he was a businessman, and he did a lot of business in Hong Kong and Taiwan. I mean, and it's like a, I, I couldn't tell you the brand, but it's high-end. I'm like, okay, you know? And so, um, I, I wear a because, Well, uh, I could use a suit like that, you know? And, and they were, that's the, the area land you see him. was look, we have the best of the best of the best, and what the softest, the most comfortable Sufficient in many ways. It wasn't necessarily a, a statement of pride, but of reality when they would say, Hey, we got it all here in the We're it. Where some of these other cities needed extensive help, they could say, No, we, we have enough. Givers in our town. We don't need outside help. We are self-sufficient. So yes, there was one weakness they had, and that was this: their water. They had no water source. There was nothing in their town or around their towns that had. They had to. Uh, feet of engineering, create aqueducts. You know that either would come from the north, from the hierapolis, where there was a hot spring there, and, and you know they would put it into a kind of you know pools, and you would you would like a natural hot spring, which could have some medicinal effects. They thought, and, but by the time it got to Laodicea, to see guess what? It was no longer hot. It was lukewarmish. And I don't know about you, but I don't like sitting in lukewarm bathwater if I'm taking a bath. You know, uh, there ain't much good about that. And and that traveled down; it would pick up uh, sediment, and and you had a lot of lime within that. And can you imagine trying to drink water that has lime that you could see? Yeah, there not nobody pulling that. So they, they they can't always depend on that. So they would then through another act without bring up stuff from the south of the city of Colossae. And and Colossae, man, they they were southeast, so, you know, uh, they're kind of down in maybe this area. Those of you online, you can't see where I point, but that's okay. Uh, But southeast, and they would get the water that was being melted off of the snow caps of the mountain, like nice, cold water. And they would bring it by aqua there, but see here this is modern-day Turkey, and if you don't know much about modern-day Turkey, it's not known to be cold. And Turkey, in fact, it's kind of warm. And by the time the whole water Colossae would get to the city of Lamphysia, it was no longer cold, it was lukewarm. And now maybe you will understand the words of Jesus here. He's not talking about hot, being on fire for the Lord, cold, being a cold-hearted faith. Though, let's be honest, anybody who grew up in church and a pastor would preach this, then from this letter. That's kind of where they would go. i heard it few that way. He wants you to be hot on fire for Jesus or at least be cold and not into Jesus. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, look, you understand the fact that none of your water is actually useful for about anything. And his heart, his love for the churches, he wants them to be useful for something. It isn't about having a whole faith or an on-fire a faith. It is about a faith that is useful. Jesus prayed the prayer in the garden of John I pray that it would bear much fruits. Be apart. And that's what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, look, I wish you had you had some use, but if he as the one who sees all, who knows all, says, I look at you at the church and you do not look like me, you bear no fruit, because you believe you have it all together. You don't need any help. And how many times it is very, very subtle that we fall into a similar situation. We don't need help. It's just me and Jesus. But Jesus didn't come to save you by yourself. He called you into a family. For our churches, it's just our church versus the world. We don't need anyone else. Jesus is saying, that is your weakness. Beloved, this is the inherent, subtle challenge we face in our world anyone in the Western world faces. Where traits, good traits, I'm not saying they're negative and they're bad, but traits of self-sufficiency, traits of independence, autonomy, and freedom, can make its way into our faith, and we forget that Jesus says, I I didn't call a Savior so you would be independent. I called you because you need to be dependent on me. It isn't about us. It isn't about our church. It's about the one who saves. And so when Jesus comes in here, and, and we're reminded that he loves, and he says things like, you know, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth, it's this idea that they became totally useless. What an indictment is. What an indictment But he says, and there's there's to some extent uh, some time, he says, uh, you do not realize how wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked that you are. Church, we are poor, we are pitiful, we are blind, and we are naked. And when we are in that state, that is the best state to be in because we will finally look up. To the one who can truly clothe us. The one who says, buy for me refined gold. I'm the one you need. Repent. And he goes on to kind of go against the culture of labor and see. He says, not only do you need to buy gold refined for me, you think you're good enough, i got something better. But I'm also going to clothe you. you. You're of the black clothes, I'm going to give you white clothes. So that even though you think you are good you're really naked, and how you think you're good at giving sight to the blind, I am the one who gives sight to the blind. But some of you may remember, there was a story that Jesus did that. Do you know how Jesus healed someone's eyesight? And it isn't is a way that you and I would want to have happen. Okay? If, if you're not familiar, I'm not sure where the gospel is, but, but I'll try to find it maybe it. but uh, he had some guy that, uh, you know, uh, needed his eyesight. So what does he do? Um, he, he goes down and he spits into the ground and he makes some mud. And he puts it on his eyes. How many of you are going to line up for that procedure? No? So, excuse I'll be honest, I'm actually about there. You know, if I go to the eye doctor and say, here's how this procedure's going to go. I'm going to bring some clay from out back, okay? And don't worry, it's all locally sourced, okay? Uh, you know, I know my supplier of this, fine quality, locally sourced, uh, you know, not imported, you don't have to worry about anything, I'm going to bring some of that clay in, okay? And I'm, I'm just going to, Give it a little moisture, okay? Once again, locally sourced, sourced moisture be good. Uh, you know, and you see him, and they kind of build it. All right, who's ready. I'm sorry. Most of us would call the state board of health and say there's something wrong. It and so that's what Jesus does. He puts it on the guy's eyes, and he kind of washes off and he says, "What do you see? Well, I see what appears to be trees." walking about. Now, I know many of us also, if we had one procedure done by another professional and it ended up like that, we probably aren't going to go back for a second. Okay? If Jesus gives a second touch, We're him completely healed. See, many of us, we want the healing from the Lord, but we don't want it the way the Lord wants to provide it. And here to the church of Laodicea, he says, I counsel from you to buy the sap for your eyes so that you may truly see. It was an invitation to this church in a self-sufficient town in a self-sufficient region. Here is Jesus. Why could Jesus Say such a thing. Well, one, because he's Jesus. But you know, he's letting them know that he desires a relationship of dependency. You know, we're good Baptists. Are we not? We're good Baptists. I think we are. A lot of times. What, we, what that means is we believe wholeheartedly and correctly that salvation is in Christ and Christ alone. And when you are saved and you declare your divinity at one time with Jesus, then that, that you can just kind of go on with life. And we don't have to worry about whether or not the sin I created today or, or caused today or did today kind of severs that relationship. We know it does not. But subtle in that doctrine, if we're not careful, it isn't in the doctrine itself, but in our human nature, trying to live that out, is we get this idea that as long as I prayed a prayer at one point in time and I was baptized at one point in time, I'm good. My ticket into heaven is there. And Jesus says, I think you're missing the point. It ain't about tickets. it's about this ongoing relationship of dependency. No wonder Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Give us this day our daily bread. Depending on him throughout. And we see this going in. And if we read here in verse 20. Here I am, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. There's been many of sermons on this verse as well. A lot of good ones I remember hearing. But we must maybe also remember in the context of the whole book here there's something I think even deeper going on than just this invitation to open the door uh, of Jesus. There's this idea that maybe what is going on here is that Jesus is the master of the house and he has finally returned and he's asking, is anybody awake to open the door and let me in? Or maybe even this other idea that fits in the context of Revelation of, here is the groom going to the bridegroom's house and saying, it's time for the wedding. Are you awake? Are you ready? Are you going? And in the early church, there's a third possibility, and maybe the answer is all of the above, is where they would understand this, this meal is this idea of, as, as Ron talked just this past week uh, in Bible study, this idea that every day the church met for, for prayer, for understanding the scriptures, the breaking of bread, probably communion,
1: but also a fellowship
0: meal where together they would have this relationship where they would sit at the table and they would go, hey John, you have a don't you? John would well, yeah, I kind of lost my job yesterday because they found out I'm a follower of Jesus. And, 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 and someone across the table would say, okay, so what do you need? About, how, well, I really don't know how I'm gonna, I'm gonna feed my, my kids tonight. And some of them sit across the table and God, I got you. They go back to their own house and say, Here, here's some extra bread, I got bread. Okay? Here. They weren't forced to sell anything, but at this meal they became known of what was going on this interdependency known as the church. Where they would go, I got that. I, I I got that. The other other week now I was gonna do some screen work. You know, I, I don't do screen work very much, and so I probably don't do it well, but I know there's a certain tool that somebody that you kinda of have to have made it much, much easier. They call it a spline tool. You know I had like five people say, I have like three of them at my house, so go buy one. I think Sue has two or three at her shed, uh McCammies. and and so Okay? It, it's this idea. They knew I had that. Now I could have gone down to the hardware store, helped pick Jonathan sour you know, and, and Joel sour that worked there. And and I would have been happy to do that. But guess what? Sometimes we at the church gotta take a spine tool from somebody. Because they got extra. And so I did. And I know where it is, I think. You know? I'll find out later. You know, and I need it again. But that's the idea of the church, and that's Goes against the grain of our culture which says, I gotta have it all together myself. No, 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 I can't take that. No, no, no. Or if we're not careful, we will go the opposite extreme. Absolutely, I'll take it home. I never know what may have it next. God will. And Jesus is saying, I want. Like the relationship with you, I'm knocking at the door as if it's to say, "Let's go to the party." But is anybody awake? And in this church, they didn't think they needed to have a feast because they already had a feast. They didn't think they needed to go somewhere else because they had their full. And Jesus is saying, "Wake up, be earnest, and repent." Why? Because Jesus is the final amen. It says in the beginning, Jesus, the words of the amen. You know, when we say amen, you know what that means? I think I've mentioned it a couple times, but if you know what that means when we say amen? So be it. So. May it be done or a sense of, really when we pray in Jesus' name and if we have his character in his heart, it is this idea of, and it will be done. Jesus is the final amen. When he says it's done, it's done. When he says repent, the answer is repent. When he says you have become useless, there isn't an arguing whether or not that is true. You will become useless. But if he says, and he who overcomes, I will allow you to sit down with me and my father's throne. This isn't this idea that we will become all of a sudden equal with Christ. Let us not even let that entertain. No, it is a gracious act where he will say, we do this as one. Jesus, is the beginning and the end. What does he want besides the relationship? He wants to stir our spirits to your He wants his church to be effective. He wants his church to bear fruit. The hard part for you and I as his church is to abide in him. I'm not a farmer. I've learned great things from Leland and Arts and others. I'm not a, uh, a horticulturalist or a vine dresser. Or I don't know what the right word for that is, but something like that. It suits more than that. She's not up here so I can talk about it. Her not, her not giving looks and roll look her eyes. You know. uh, but you know, here's what I know about all those things. Corn, beans, grapes, they, they don't exert a lot of energy like the sit and go, oh, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. Okay, they, they rest in the soil, they get the nutrients they need, and they do the job they need to do. How many times do we as a church and as Christians, as people, we go, oh, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. No, no, I don't need your help. Anybody, anybody who thinks that? You know, I don't need your help. And Jesus said, just ask Because if we abide in him and we do those things, yes, it's going to be effort. Yes, it's going to be energy. Yes, there's work to be done. But it, when we rest in Jesus, then we, we will produce fruit. And here's the thing. I believe much in our world today because I, 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 I like to tell people I don't judge other believers because they like to tell me don't judge. I say, well, I'm not judging. Um, I just like to be a food sucker. Okay? I don't like to eat bad fruit. Um, I don't drink bad milk. You know, this week I used some milk. I, I, I'm smart enough for life to pour it in another glass and then you smell it because if you smell it in the jug, you can, you know, false positive on the bad of you know, I really smelled good. so then I went to the next step, and I, well, I drank a little bit of it, you know, just to ensure that it was good, and then I used it, okay? But if that milk would have been sour when I took it. You know what I would have done with it? Down the drain. Friends, I don't have to judge, but I gonna put something wrong in my mouth. And I fear that what I see sometimes right here within me But I see out there in our desire to be pure, to be holy, to be truth people, our fruit is rotten. And it's no wonder to me the world goes, I ain't mad. A fellow pastor had the the humility, the audacity, and the wisdom to post online the parents of kids, why do you not go to church anymore? So I didn't, I didn't interact with it anyway because I don't want people to know I'm that. You know? And he has a pastor's heart, but I'm follow follower. Because I'm like, I, I got a word. What is going on? Can I tell you what at least some of them were? Some of them are from believers. Because the question was, if you went to church, and you no know, longer go to church? And, and some of them are saying, because the church has become a place of fighting. The church has become a place where, where, where it isn't just right doctrine, but it is my doctrine. The church has become a place where, where we have allowed in some churches Christian nationalism to come in, which is not Christian, if you ask me. There is one Lord who is Christ. It is His kingdom, not our nation. Some of you may not like that. I believe that to be the true. But I can agree to disagree in some ways. And they see it as a, the church as a place of politics, not a place of scripture. That's yes. That is the church of David see. That is not the church of Jesus. We need to be involved in our governments. We most certainly have to be praying for our governments and the leaders that will come about. And we have an election coming up with issues and people that we need to prayerfully consider people, I would say, of true character. Not just those who align with what we want. Jesus wants to stir our hearts and our spirits to a revival. Where it is not about those things, but it is about him who alone is worthy. Him who alone is holy. He who overcome the grave. He who is the beginning and the end. The faithful and the true one. And if we can get our church back, many of us are slowly, we're pretty darn good. But we, and if we can get our church back to more like the 50 AD and 60 AD and 70 AD, man, that would be a good thing. I'm reminded as I come so close that at one time, Billy Graham was uh, criticized. So what we are doing now is no different than what happened maybe some of you guys' memory of 30, 40 years ago. Billy Graham was criticized because he went into the White House of either uh, Nixon or JFK. Uh, either way, it was a uh, of some of the Christian um, movement. It was the enemy. And someone pulled aside Billy Graham, and he reports as saying he was admonished and rebuked because he had set the church back 10 to 15 years. And Billy Graham being wise. And beyond any wisdom, earthly wisdom, he said, Oh, I'm sorry. I've been trying to set it back a few thousand years. (laughs) Thanks. we must be reminded of where our penis started. Jesus loves his church. I think he'd like to set it back a little bit. He'd like to reform us. A little bit. Will we humbly allow that to happen? Will we humbly bow before the One who is above all, who is that final Amen, who is the One who is victorious? He who has the ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Father God, we come to you now and we thank you. For this time, in this book, in these lips, Lord, may you continue to convict, rebuke, and us because you love us. And so maybe you can say in all these things that it is well because of who you are. Because when we are with you, we know that our sin, not just in, in a little bit, but all of it, has been atoned for in Christ alone, who is the head of his church the church. So Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, we ask now to be with us, we continue to worship, that we would do so with spirit and in truth. In the name of he who is faithful and true, the final amen, we say amen. May it be so. Will you stand with